A word to children today, and to all God's children, not just the youngest. But the younger ones have received a bag like this three weeks ago, with a gift for every Sunday in Advent and for Christmas. We are up to the bag inside that says, do not open before December 13. Pull that one out now, but don't open it. That's the bag I want to talk about. And I put a couple of other things in my bag this morning to use to talk about them. One is this box, and the other is this one. Now, if these two were under your tree and were both for you, which one do you suppose you might be tempted to open first? The one that's kind of fancy and shiny and six-sided and two-colored and a design on the top looks like it's something pretty special. The other is just plain brown cardboard. No wrapping, no ribbon, no bow, nothing special. They're both for you, but which would you be attracted to first? I'm guessing it's probably this one to see what in the world would be in here for you. And I open it, and to my surprise, it's nothing. It's a kind of a picture of so much of what we get and want and have, it doesn't amount to much, doesn't last long, isn't really as great as we thought it would be. Maybe it's not nothing, but it's not all that special, even though it came wrapped in something that makes it look very special. But if I take this plain brown box and look inside, that's where I found the bag you're holding. The one that says, do not open until December 13. Well, it's December 13, so go ahead and open it and see what's in it. This is a gift for you today, and it says on the front of it, Merry Christmas. But the real gift is mentioned on the back. We don't have a picture of the back because the wording is too small to read on the screen, but I'll read it to you. It's what the angels said to the shepherds. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be to all people, for there is born to you this day, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's God's gift to you, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That gift came wrapped in kind of plain paper the first Christmas night. Somewhere in a little town that didn't amount to much called Bethlehem, in a stable where the animals were in a cow's feeding trough and the first visitors were shepherds who didn't amount to much either and didn't look like much and weren't very famous but that's where God put his present for you Jesus and this one you could hang on the wall or on your tree or somewhere else to remember that the best gift of all didn't come in fancy wrapping but lasts forever Jesus 
God's gift to you at Christmas. The scripture for this third Sunday in Advent is taken both from the Old Testament and the New. A brief passage from the Old Testament, Prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 1 through 5. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her, that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And now from the Gospel of Luke, the famous second chapter, beginning at verse 8, the story of the shepherds. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Sometimes I wonder, I wonder where those shepherds were living out in the fields nearby. I wonder how many of them there might have been. Two, four, eight, ten, a dozen? I don't know. I wonder when they weren't living in the fields nearby, where did they live? I wonder 
what their names might have been. Maybe not all of them. Maybe just a couple. Maybe even just one name. I wonder. I wonder if there were shepherds living out in other fields nearby. I wonder if when the glory of the Lord shone around, the shepherds were talking about the other shepherds who might have been on other hills and other nearbys saw it. And I wonder, after the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, whatever became of them? I, I wonder. My wonderings are normal. I guess it's natural human instinct to be curious about things like that. But they, the things I wonder distract me, draw me away from the heart of the message. I discover that I wonder if I wonder things like that. Maybe instead of wondering... I ought to concentrate on what I know. I know that those shepherds were despised by the Orthodox Jewish people of the day. They were judged to be way too unclean to even come into the temple area and be engaged in the ritual acts of religion. You can't wash your hands very often out in the fields nearby. What strikes me as so strange when I think about it is that the Jewish people who despised the shepherds took great comfort in saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Without appearing to realize, they were saying God didn't hesitate to dirty his hands with the likes of them and us. And failed even more importantly to see that in that metaphor, they were the sheep. Even dirtier. More willful. More wayward. More stubborn. So instead of wondering about those shepherds, Maybe I should just be filled with wonder over my shepherd who showed in coming first, first, mind you, to those shepherds that the last are first and the least are the most and the lamb is for the shepherds too. Why, these shepherds were probably even tending flocks out there in the hills nearby that were destined for altars in the temple in Jerusalem to atone for the sins of the people. Which means that the shepherds who looked after those lambs out there on the hills were the first to hear and meet the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I guess what I know is more important than what I wonder. And if I wonder, I will probably wander. Well, you know what happened. If you didn't know when you started listening this morning, 
You know now because I read it to you from Luke chapter 2. It's what happened after that that I want to pay special attention to this morning. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. Eugene Peterson in The Message captures it so graphically and even more accurately, I think, when he renders those words this way, as the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the sheep herders talked it over. Let's go over to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. There's a great deal to learn, it turns out, from these unexpected first recipients of the good news. Number one, they made an effort. First words out of their mouth after this dramatic experience, let's go. As the glory glow in the sky faded and the angel echo in the air dimmed, what were they going to do? Isn't it amazing? The, sh the angels didn't tell the shepherds what to do. They only told them what was true. Now what? Well, you could sit in wonder. Wow. Or you could sit and wonder. How? But the shepherds seemed to sense that the message from the pulpit in the sky obligated them to take some kind of action. Let's go to Bethlehem, they said, almost in unison. Now there's something in that word go in the original language that implies some effort, some fairly strenuous effort and some exertion and some distance. I mean, they weren't saying let's go to the other side of the world, but it was more than across the street. And there was some risk involved. I mean, if they all just picked up and ran, which is what they seemed to have done, what would have happened to the sheep they were tending in the fields nearby? It was a challenge as well. How do you go into that little town? I stood on some of those hills and saw that town. It isn't very big even now, but it was smaller then. And yet it was still a challenge. How would you run into that city at night and find yourself a newborn baby in a box somewhere? And there was a note of urgency in what they said. Peterson renders it this way in the message, let's go over to Bethlehem as fast as we can. And isn't that just exactly what God expects people to do? People like us, when they hear the good news? Doesn't he expect of us the response of the shepherds? Let's go, let's find, let's see, let's do something. They exerted an effort. They also had an explanation. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. Did you notice it wasn't the angels that had just filled the sky that drew them to Bethlehem? I, I don't know about you, but if, if I had been sitting on those hills hearing the original hallelujah chorus from the choir of heaven Oh, I might just have stayed there for a long, long time. 
and dwelled on that experience. But that's not what attracted them. It's the conviction that what they had heard from those angels came straight through the angels from God. They were drawn by the source, not the situation or the circumstances. They went to Bethlehem because they had heard God, not because they had seen angels. The shepherds had an explanation for Christmas. It wasn't just a time of warm feelings and goodwill. It wasn't just a time of giving and receiving. It wasn't just a time of pageants and glory. It was a message from God for all the people. That was their explanation. And the shepherds had excitement. So they hurried off. Peterson puts it this way in the message. They left running. It's like their feet started running before their body moved. Think about it. This was not only the first, but the grandest Christmas pageant there had ever been out in those fields nearby. Angels, not on zip lines, real ones, floating in the air. And glory, not from some huge, magnificent lighting equipment, but from the light. And sound, not electronic, but from the throne. So they hurried off. They left running. Make sure your excitement in this season is the excitement of the shepherds. A holy rush to see more of Jesus. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And the lessons from the shepherds continue. Not only an effort to see Jesus, not only an explanation of Jesus, not only excitement about Jesus, but they said what they saw. Seeing was believing, the message reads. They told everyone what the angels had said about this child. They seemed to sense that God doesn't give people experiences like they had just had without expecting some response and some action from them. The good news was not just for them, it was for all the people. So these lowly shepherds, the ones with whom the Jews refused to associate, became immediate missionaries and went and told those people what they had seen and heard. They spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. Maybe it would be helpful to think for just a minute about what they didn't say, those shepherds. Part of the message is what they left out of the message they actually brought. They didn't say, well, good for us. It's about time shepherds got a fair shake. We had an experience those ultra-religious people didn't. They didn't gloat over the fact that God put them higher on the list 
of people to be sure to notify when the baby was born than he did Orthodox religious people of the day. They didn't say in word or attitude, good for us. Nor did they say, look at what we did. Look at this experience we just had. No one else in the history of humanity had or ever will have exactly the experience of the shepherds in the fields. They didn't say, we took some risks in leaving our sheep out there, but it was worth it. They didn't say, you have no idea how hard it was to find a baby in Bethlehem in the dark. But we did it. They didn't come back with autographs from Mary and Joseph and little bundles of straw tied with liturgically appropriately colored ribbons, maybe to sell with the sheep in Jerusalem. Their testimony was not, look what we did. Nor was their testimony even, we've just been saved. They didn't say, now we have a purpose in life. They didn't say, now we know we're worthwhile. They didn't even say, now we know God loves us. They could have. It would have been true. But they seemed to sense immediately as the world's first Christian missionaries and evangelists that the message is not just God saved me. They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Have you ever thought, wouldn't it be neat to have a transcript of what the shepherds actually said, a recording maybe, to hear the very words they spoke, to know exactly what they said to all the people they ran into between where they were and where they went? In actuality, we do. Because we are told that they told what they'd been told. And here's what they'd been told. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's Christ the Lord. That's what they said. They said, to you is born. There's a lesson in the fact that, first of all, the shepherds who had reason to resent most of the people around them who would have little, if anything, to do with them, when they heard the message, went to those people and said, to you is born. It's not just that they realized messengers have something to say. It's not just that they realized messengers are obligated to say it. It's not even just that, in fact, they did say it. They personalized it to you. It's not just news. Not even just good news. It's good news to you. It's not just a baby has been born in Bethlehem, but a baby has been born in Bethlehem for you. That's what won the shepherds. That's what won the people to whom the shepherds spoke. That's still the thing that wins people today. God comes to you. They said he's a savior. That needs to be part of the message. And that's good news only to people who know they need to be saved. For anyone to believe the message a savior has been born to you means 
they already know they're lost and without hope. They know they have to get rid of their sin. They know they can't do it. They discover there's only one way to get rid of it, and that is to come to him and ask to be forgiven and to receive his grace. That's the good news. To you has been born a Savior. And then they added, he's Christ the Lord. You don't just need to know there's a Savior. You need to identify who the Savior is. Christ the Lord. Not just a way, the way. Not just a truth, the truth. Not just a life, the life. The Savior is Christ the Lord. Or there is no Savior at all. The Apostle John would later say to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. When the shepherds said, he is Christ the Lord, they said all that. It's little wonder that the angels closed their message, which we now know was also the shepherd's message, with the words, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. It's only where this message is heard that these conditions prevail. So the shepherds returned. Again, we don't know who, we don't know where, we don't know when, we just know that. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. I love the way the message puts it. The sheep herders returned and let loose, glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen. The sheep herders returned and let loose. And what most made them let loose was the finale of the angels' song. And on earth, peace. Finally, in Jesus. Amen. Oh Lord Jesus, we bow in humble adoration, recognizing that you were telling us something terribly significant when your coming, your birth, was announced first to people most of the world didn't care about or pay any attention to. The brown paper wrapping didn't matter to you. And that's the kind of wrapping we've come in to. Use us the way you use shepherds and other unlikelies throughout scripture and ever since. And help us to live lives and to say things that amount to to you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace.